Welcome to the vodcast. The break-in at the Pelosi residence and violent attack on Paul Pelosi has spun all manner of theories about what really happened as opposed to the official government narrative. Today I want to discuss some of the inconsistencies in the official narrative. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. I won't be getting into things like the childish claim that Paul Pelosi is gay and was planning to have gay sex with Depp. That's the kind of fairy tale spread by children in adult bodies. That said, some strange things have taken place concerning the investigation and the public statements by authorities. The question is, what do those inconsistencies mean? Are they proof that some deep, dark conspiracy is afoot to hide the truth from the American people? The answer to that is, as you'll see, part yes and part no. The three government assertions that appear questionable are these. Number one, Mr. Pelosi was able to make a phone call and speak in code so the dispatcher was able to listen to the conversation for a period of time, able to discern there was a problem, and dispatch officers. Number two, when the intruder broke into the house, his actions did not set off an alarm at the home which seems inconceivable at the home of the Speaker of the House. And number three, police arrived at the Pelosi House, depending on what source you believe, in either two or three minutes. We'll start with this issue, number three, and then get back to one and two. Now, remember, if one buys the story that the dispatcher who was listening to the call sensed something was amiss, we have to ask how long it took the dispatcher to make that determination. Since no violence was occurring as the dispatcher was listening, I think it obvious she had to listen to some time before coming to the conclusion she needed to dispatch officers. Yet reports state officers arrived in two or three minutes after Mr. Pelosi made the call. That claim is highly dubious. Also, the call would not have been put out as a violent battery taking place because no violence occurred during the 911 call. The call would have gone out as an open line with no identified crime or as an intruder there now. The odds are very small. Either would have produced a two or three minute response time from the police. Now, let's consider point number one, that Mr. Pelosi was able to make a phone call without specifically telling the emergency operator that a stranger had broken into the house with a hammer, was carrying wire ties, and was looking for the Speaker of the House. The narrative is that Mr. Pelosi was able to go to the bathroom without Mr. DePap and call police from a phone in the master bathroom. Most of us don't have phones in our bathrooms, but the wealthy do. Some even have phones in their showers. My point being that that narrative is plausible, even though it's a nonsense story, and I'll explain why in a minute. Now, let's examine point number two, that the pap breaking into the home did not set off alarms. But before I jump into point number two, let me take a moment to ask you to subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and share this presentation with everyone. Since this story broke, the public has learned the U.S. Capitol Police have live feed cameras watching the exterior of the Pelosi home. When asked by reporters if the Pelosi residence has a security system, San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins refused to address the matter. 
The government pays millions of dollars, literally millions of dollars, to think tanks and others to create scenarios on how to accomplish things like killing high-ranking government officials in their homes or kidnapping family members. The reason the government pays so much to have experts explore every conceivable way to accomplish such things is so the government can then develop countermeasures that will keep public officials safe. The Speaker of the House is the second in presidential line of succession, which brings elevated security concerns, obviously. Additionally, in the case of Nancy Pelosi, she is a lightning rod for right-wing animosity, in some cases rising to personal hatred. Security for the Speaker is provided by the U.S. Capitol Police, who have nationwide jurisdiction when protecting any member of Congress. When it comes to protection technology and physical protection teams, the Capitol Police receive ongoing training from the Secret Service and others. The Capitol Police and Secret Service work so closely that in D.C. they are informally referred to as sister agencies. In her position as the highest-ranking member of the House, Pelosi receives many security briefings, most unrelated to her, her home, or her family. But she is also briefed on threats against herself and her family. As such, she knows how much she is hated by the far right and how many people have been identified as having expressed a desire to harm her or members of her family. Because a Speaker of the House is far more in the political spotlight than is a Vice President, Protection of the Speaker is every bit as intensive and high-tech as is provided to the Vice President. It's simply under the jurisdiction of the Capitol Police rather than the Secret Service. Do you imagine the Vice President's home does not have an incredibly sophisticated multi-layered security network? Is the security system at the Vice President's house shut down when the VP isn't there? Of course not. If somebody broke into the VP's residence when the VP was not home, would the Secret Service know about it? Yes, instantaneously. My point is that whatever is true for the Vice President's residence is also true for the Speaker's residence, even when she's not there. Would there be live stream cameras inside the home? Of course. Would there be microphones throughout the home? Again, of course. Would there be highly sophisticated motion detectors both inside and outside the home? Of course. Would there be glass break detectors? Yes. Would the agents who monitor and control those things at the Capitol Protective Security Bureau Central Command Center in D.C. be able to remotely lock and unlock various doors of the residence? Absolutely. Are there panic buttons concealed throughout the house that trigger an alarm in the command center when activated? Yes. Do these systems, whether at the vice president's home or the speaker's home, blare an alarm in the command center when triggered by an intruder or the principals? Yeah, you bet. The security measures I've just mentioned are not extraordinary. In high-end personal protection, they are merely the basics. When it comes to protections of officials like the president, vice president, and speaker of the house, there are more measures than those I've mentioned today. Let me share a brief story from about 30 years ago. I was training members of the protection detail for one of the wealthiest men in the United States. One of the measures they had in place at his 13-acre residence in Los Angeles was pressure-sensitive netting under every inch of ground that was not covered by concrete. If a person set a single foot on the ground anywhere on that 13 acres that was not covered by concrete, such as one of the several lawns or a flower bed, an alarm blared in the security command center and an electronic map of the grounds covering most of one wall of the command center pinpointed and tracked the person's location in real time. That was 30 years ago. How much more sophisticated do you think things are today? Here is the key question. 
Would all these systems and others I've not discussed today be something Paul Pelosi would have to remember to turn on or turn off when entering or leaving the home? Or would those systems be under the control of the Protective Security Bureau Central Command Center? I assure you it's under the control of the D.C. Command Center. Did the Capitol Police know the instant DePap approached the rear of the Pelosi's home? Yeah, absolutely. Did they know he was breaking into the house through the back door? Of course. Did they track him as he moved throughout the home? Absolutely. So, who do you think actually notified the San Francisco police? Paul Pelosi from his bathroom phone after the crime was well underway? Or the Protective Security Bureau's command center? Was there really a two or three minute response time by the cops? Or had the command center notified the police much earlier than the public is being told? such as when the exterior motion detectors alerted and they saw DePap heading for Pelosi's back door with a hammer in his hand. Remember the initial reports that an unknown third person had unlocked the front door for responding officers? If the door audibly unlocked as the officers approached, would it not make sense they thought someone had unlocked it? And someone had. The responding officers just never stopped to consider that the someone who unlocked the door was 3,000 miles away in the command center. So why all the ridiculous stories spun for the public about what happened? Why don't just tell the public how it really went down? Because the specifics of the protective systems and protocols for high-ranking government officials are classified. It is a violation of federal law to discuss them with anyone not having the proper clearance, as it is to make statements that might reveal those systems and protocols. And the government has a vested interest in the public believing its security of high-ranking government officials is inept and unprofessional. Instead of saying no comment to virtually every question asked by the press, someone politically high up decided it was preferable to spin yarns to the public. Of course, when stories are fabricated to conceal the security systems and protocols, it is inevitable there will be the kind of contradictions and inconsistencies we've seen in the official narrative of the Pelosi attack. I thought it important to share how high-ranking government officials, such as Nancy Pelosi, are actually protected to dispel the kooky theories being propounded on social media. That said, it isn't unusual for the feds to hide the truth or spin yarns to mislead or misdirect the public. In fact, the federal government has been doing exactly that for 60 years concerning upon whom Congress has imposed the income tax. The truth is that Congress has never imposed the income tax on ordinary working Americans. You believe the income tax applies to you only because of a massive and successful federal government disinformation campaign to convince you that narrative is true. Here are a few questions I ask Americans who believe the government's disinformation campaign. In what title of the United States Code are income tax laws found? Can you cite the law that imposes the income tax on ordinary working Americans? What is the statutory definition of withholding agent in tax law? Tax law states that withholding agent is generally synonymous with another statutorily defined party. With whom is withholding agent generally synonymous? They are never able to answer a single question. Why? Because they've never read a word of tax law. They don't know anything. Instead of actually knowing something, they've simply chosen to believe the government's disinformation. That's how we do it in a land of liberty, right? We just blindly believe the government. You give them a chunk of your personal property every year because they tell you that's what the law says and you never bother to see. 
if they're lying to you, as they do about so many things. The good news is you don't need to spend years poring over income tax statutes, regulations, treasury orders, treasury decisions, revenue rulings, Supreme Court cases, and more. That's already been done for you. All you have to do is read one book to stop acting from a belief based on ignorance and start making decisions from actually knowing what the law says. One book that allows you to compare what the law actually says to the government's disinformation. One book that explains everything in a simple, straightforward manner all Americans can understand. If you prefer having facts and knowledge over blindly believing government, go to drreality.news, drreality.news, and grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths. You have my word, it will be one of the most fascinating books you've ever read. I refer to the government's false income tax narrative as the largest financial crime in history perpetrated against you, the rest of the American people. Income Tax Shattering the Myths reads like a mystery. You know who's done it, but as you move through the book, you discover how they've done it. It truly is fascinating to see. I wish I could tell you the income tax scam is the only government disinformation campaign. Sadly, that's not true. Americans are the most chronically ill society in all of human history because of yet another massive government disinformation campaign. This one to make you sick and miserable by lying to you about human physiology response to macronutrients containing what you eat. Think about this. The government has knowingly, willfully, and intentionally lied to every American for the better part of 60 years in order to put trillions of dollars into the pockets of big food, big med, and big pharma. And like other issues you may be able to think of, they refuse to perform honest research that would confirm the harm being done to hundreds of millions of American citizens. Billions of dollars a year in profits for various companies is the goal. Your sickness and misery isn't even a consideration for them. If you want to learn about the lies that have made America the most chronically ill society in history and how your physiology really works, go to drreality.news, drreality.news, and pick up a copy of Body Science. It is a roadmap for being incredibly healthy in a society filled with illness, misery, and premature death from having believed an utterly false narrative. I should also let you know that Body Science has never received anything less than five stars out of five in reader reviews. So do yourself a favor. Go to drreality.news and grab a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist or Body Science or both and have your mind blown by comparing the government's disinformation with the facts, the science, and the law, all laid out in crystal clarity for you. In doing so, you'll also help me to continue to be here for you with these fact-based presentations. And before I leave you, do please subscribe to the channel. Thanks for being here. Take care.